human science can be best defined as the practice of science across all disciplines, such that others can collaborate and contribute, and where research data and processes are freely available under terms that enable reuse, redistribution, and reproduction. This includes peer-reviewed publications, data repositories, workflow, and collaboration tools. Open science is driven and governed by science policies and mandates, and pharmaceutical companies, which fund approximately half of all biomedical research, are now leaders in the publication and disclosure of research. However, access to much company-funded research is still restricted by journal paywalls. So with open science continuing to rise in prominence and adoption by science funders and researchers, how can pharmaceutical companies play their part? Welcome to Pfizer's podcast series celebrating this year's International Open Access Week. I'm Martin Delahanty and I will be your host. Through this week, I will be interviewing experts working within clinical and medical disciplines who will share their perspectives on the impact and benefit of open science for patients and key stakeholders. My guest for today's podcast is Dr. Joanna Osorio, communications consultant for a global collaboration called Open Pharma. Welcome, Joanna, to the program. Hello, Martin. Please, can you explain what Open Pharma is and its role in supporting open science? Open Pharma is a collaboration between different companies, organizations, and individuals who are stakeholders in medical publishing. The aim of Open Pharma is to increase the transparency and the access to the outcomes of pharma-sponsored research. It was launched and coordinated by Oxford Pharmagenesis. And this is a a not-a-profit-seeking project. Uh, The running costs are funded by several companies. Pfizer is one of those companies and is a full member with representation in Open Pharma Steering Committee. And we connect pharma companies, publishers, patients, researchers, regulators, and other people with the goal of improving the publication and the communication of pharma-sponsored research. We want to make these processes faster, more transparent, more accessible, more efficient. And we do this by bringing in innovations from publishing to drive change in this area. Since we started in 2016, we, for example, we have supported the move to open access in our industry. We have done education and advocacy And this included working with three companies so far to have an open access mandate. We also uh, had concessions with ASCO and ASCO changed their policy to allow pharma to pay for open access in their journals. One of these journals is JCO, which is a leading uh, oncology journal. So we also do research and we're proud of it. We've done research on, for example, open access publishing rates, the prevalence of preprints, ORCID identifiers uh, in pharma. And our most recent focus has been on plain language summaries. So the idea is if we're publishing with open access, then we should make sure that people can understand what we've written. That's a great, great introduction, explanation around open form and, uh, and many initiatives there. Can we demonstrate then real benefits of open science for patients? So this is a, an interesting question because, of course, we have evidence that open access increases views and citations to articles. But the question of 
whether it has a, an impact, a general impact on patients. It's a little bit more difficult to find the, the hard evidence for that. We have, this said, we have lots of evidence, anecdotal and indirect evidence that this is the case. But definitely, this is an area that would benefit from more research. We, we know that patients and doctors, the ones we meet, they tell us they need papers to be open access and that they have benefited from papers being open access. And we would like to see this uh, research done in a more systematic way and in a, with a bigger sample. Very good. And thinking maybe about the current pandemic and COVID-19 and the research, one publication output that has been very prominent has been preprints. So what, what is the role for preprints from an open pharma perspective? The COVID pandemic really made it clear how useful preprints can be, but it also raised many questions. So in MedArchive, which is the medical preprint server, it launched in June 2019. This was just about half a year before the beginning of the pandemic. And the number of COVID-19 preprints exploded. So one study estimated that 40% of new preprints on MedArchive during the first wave of the pandemic were on COVID-19. And there are now almost 20,000 preprints on COVID-19 in MedArchive and in BioArchive, the life sciences preprint server. So preprints have been a massive help to understand the virus and treat patients in a timely way. But there were also several cases of preprints with questionable data, which helped cause confusion, fed misinformation, and may even have caused harm. The, the point then is, what about pharma preprints, for, preprints from pharmaceutical research? Pharma works in a highly regulated environment. Companies appreciate the potential benefits of the speed and openness with preprints but they are wary of publishing scientific research outside the safe harbor of peer review. And they have been, they said there have been quite a few clinical preprints on COVID from pharma. The thing we haven't seen so much is a substantial rise in pharma preprints in other clinical areas. And we, you were talking earlier on about um benefits of open science for patients, in particular plain language summaries, and to your point around preprints and some misinterpretation potentially of uh, information published as preprints, do you think plain language summaries are supportive of open science? Yes, absolutely. So we at Open Pharma believe that all plain language summaries should be accessible, free of charge and without restrictions. And as you said, they are a good way of explaining science in an accessible way. They should describe research in a balanced, unbiased, non-promotional way that is free of jargon and easy to read. So they are also about uh, research, so they are both reliable and accessible. This makes them valuable as a source of information to non-specialists, including patients, but also to time-poor specialists. And we've just published the Open Pharma recommendations for plain language summaries of peer-reviewed medical publications. In these guidelines, we recommend some minimum standards for these summaries. And for example, one important one is that plain language summaries of published articles are peer-reviewed as well, the uh, source article. 
So in general, I can say that plain language summaries help broaden reach and the usefulness of research. And these are very much key objectives of open science. Thank you. And it, it already seems with Open Pharma and generally with pharmaceutical companies that a lot has already been done to advance the principles and practices of open science. But what more do you think needs to be done by pharmaceutical companies to advance open science? Open Pharma and other multi-stakeholder groups have shown the benefits of building bridges between everyone who has a stake in the publication of pharma-sponsored research. And I think pharma companies need to know about publishing trends and innovations that they can then apply to the communication of their own research. So these bridges are really important. Pharma companies also need to understand what other groups need, patients, doctors, and the general public. For example, what information is most important to these people? How can people search, find, and use that information? And what technical improvements would help make this information more accessible and fit for purpose? These are interesting, important questions. And these conversations are all part of a broader picture. Open science and transparency go hand in hand. And they will contribute to raising public trust and the credibility of pharma-sponsored research. And with the pandemic, uh, the pandemic has really highlighted the key role of medical affairs and publications in particular to the ability of pharma companies to speak with medical professionals and also functions such as clinical trial transparency and patient engagement within pharma are finding more and more common ground with publications functions. Companies may see that they can increase the impact and efficiency if they transition to a more integrated approach to the communication of research than the current model. I think there is a key element of collaboration in all of this and understanding each other and the needs of, of your uh, readers and, uh, and various groups. Open Pharma has really taken a, a lead on a number of initiatives, and which is great to see. And I guess we'll all be wanting to know what to expect to see in the next year from Open Pharma. So can you, can you share with us what we might see? So this is a big crystal ball, but the UNESCO recommendations on open science will be adopted uh, this month, November. And with this adoption... We expect that open science will increasingly be talked about in the context of human rights and equitable access to information for all. And we also expect this to be a broader discussion, a global discussion worldwide. So we also expect to see more discussion about preprints, including quality control on preprint service, and also how to educate journalists and the public about non peer review research. Some journals, for example, the PLOS journals, already offer direct transfers of preprints from BioArchive and MedArchive into their submission systems. And this is perhaps something we'll see in other, uh, we'll see increasing this type of service. We also, of course, looking forward to seeing more journals and authors adopting plain language summaries as a way of making their research more open, more accessible. We also think that funders will continue to press for research to be published open access. This is likely to be on the table for governments and international organizations. And 
as these expectations for transparency grow, the pharma industry won't want to look out of touch with this increasingly open, publicly funded research environment. And I think pharma will need to and will want to pay attention to these conversations and think about how to act and what they can do in, a, in an environment that is evolving quickly. But it is also very exciting. Very exciting. And it's evident that Open Pharma has made great progress and with a growing list of pharma partners. I look forward to further advancements from this collaboration. Thank you again, Joanna, for your time and excellent insights and perspectives. Thank you. This podcast series is funded by Pfizer. I'm Martin Delahunty, and thank you for listening. Please join me again for our next International Open Access Week podcast.